Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Michael McNamara, and we are doing our annual, I guess your annual, Halloween tricks and treats show which is just sort of a kind of a cornica stuff uh is this this is your thoughts for the year kind of a sure. retrospective and by the way going forward this will be our tricks and treats show right. you know may, maybe you can think of some contributions next year here, i can't okay? wait i cannot okay. wait we, we, we are wide ranging on the topics <laughs> but hopefully some points have been made and some folks have given reason to think about some things you know well know. if you again so as i mentioned last hour we are doing a pre-record. If you have any questions, no phone calls today, uh, but you can reach out questions at McNamara on money and we will get back to you. Like we, we weren't able to work out the live, uh, the live taping this time since I'm, I'm actually at soccer right this moment. So uh, I will, uh, we'll get right back into it. You're, you're the, you're the sort of the host for the day. So what's our next trick and treat? We're only on page two of seven, you know, here. Okay. But anyway, can we do this for Christmas? No, that won't work. Okay. Never mind. All right. So, uh, okay. So, folks, if you're just with us, the trick is that the financial world continues to invent new flavors of investments that you just have to have to sell to unsophisticated investors who don't need them. Okay. So, let me, this is going to take a minute here. Okay. So, folks, I've, I've, I've been in this business uh, for 40 years. Years. You want to okay. do a, his, a history? <laughs> well, a, a brief one, okay, that, that kind of makes the point. So, by the way, mutual funds didn't come into existence until 
late 1960s. Okay. okay. All right. And, and so, by the way, mutual funds are absolutely one. Of, by the way, a, a, a generic comment, the investment world in my lifetime is dramatically a better place than it was when I broke into this business 40 years ago. Yep. But, that, but that doesn't mean that a whole bunch of mistakes weren't made along the way and that you don't want to be on the bleeding edge of change sort of a thing. Okay. So, so here, here, was the, here was the game for a whole bunch of years. So let's see. We've got these mutual funds, okay, collections of stocks or bonds, folks, that yep. are managed by some professionals. They give you some diversification, you know, yada, yada. Okay, well, so we had what I'm going to call some basic flavors. So what do we got? Well, we got big stocks in the U.S. That's one flavor. Then we've got medium stocks, and then we've got small stocks. And if we've got bonds, we've got like government bonds, we've got corporate bonds, we've got municipal bonds. So, so the investment world, okay, uh, is carved up into some basic flavors of investments, okay. But every year, with the advancement of time, we had more and more new flavors popping up and more and more people campaigning that this new flavor is now a basic flavor. So, and, and I'll give you an example, okay? Uh, whenever something goes bonkers in the market for a while, a mutual fund is created to take advantage of that, okay? Gold is one example of it. For a while back there in the 70s, gold was going bonkers. All of a sudden, gold mutual funds were created. Okay. Okay. In the late 1990s, okay, technology funds were going bonkers, right, Justin? Remember all those, that fun oh, stuff? Yeah. So, so what do we do? 401ks with all yeah. technology stocks in them? Yeah, yeah. So the, technology funds? yeah. so the marketing people at the financial institutions say, hey, these investment, these technology companies are going bonkers. Let's make up a mutual fund that just does, in you know, technology stocks and go sell it to folks. Well, by the way, so the routine is something's hot. Okay. You start making up some mutual funds to buy that. And by the way, you go market that thing and people buy it just before the things get hammered and go back down again. Okay. You know, mutual funds have been created after a trend has developed and sure. nine and nine times out of 10, the trend fades and goes, goes straight to hell. And every once in a while, something is actually a legitimate flavor that gets created. Okay. So, so, you know, technology is an example. Gold is an example these days. Well, you can infrastructure, come up infrastructure, sure. infrastructure. Uh, okay. Uh, we've China. got China. That's right. In individual countries. We've got growth versus value. We've got, uh, Bitcoin, we've got smart beta funds, we've got long short funds. There's always some new whiz bang way, okay, to improve the investment world. And about 5% of the stuff actually sticks around, okay, but keep, but a whole lot of people are unfortunately penalized by getting sucked up in that whole process, if you will, okay. Yeah. By the way, you can name a few, you'd pay more attention to the detail than I, but what are some of the investments? We have some of those alternatives of funds that I still have some questions about. But anyway, you, know, you got anything? Yeah, I mean, there, there are arbitrage, managed futures. I mean, there, there, there are there are lots of them. And it's just, it, it really simply is, um, a lot of them are just parts of an overall market, right? I mean, you know, we, yeah. we, we were pitched on uh, on China as an asset class. I forget how many years ago that was. But of course, you know, China's just sort of, if you own international stocks or emerging market stocks, you already own some some China, right? I mean, technology, you know, technology is in the overall market. Yeah. You don't necessarily need a dedicated technology fund because if you own a diversified portfolio, you, you most certainly have technology stocks in there as well. 
It's it's a it's almost always a they're selling you a subset of something you already own, and they're saying, hey, you need to you need to own more yeah, of this because right? it sure is sexy. It's been going yeah. grand, bonkers, and let's go for it, folks. That that's just you know you need to be careful about that. So so that's the trick, and it's forever ever ongoing. I think I told you a long time ago, Joe, uh, uh, Justin, that uh, some folks were trying to make cable TV as a separate category that need to be in your retirement plan. And by the way, public storage warehouses, that was another one. There are myriads of stories of investment fads. Okay. And it's just a, it never, and these days we have exchange traded funds that are now doing the same thing that mutual funds did. We have exchange traded funds that are now actively managed that are now breaking up into subsections, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So by the way, so that's the trick folks, the trick is do not get sucked up in the marketing and the the hot current trend du jour or du week of the month sort of a thing. You know, by the way, most folks shouldn't be buying individual investments on their own. So my, my crass commercial is treat yourself to a financial advisor who is hopefully smart enough to get you a, a basically diversified portfolio. Uh, none of the cute stuff. And, and hopefully that makes you some money over the time. And uh, that's the short story. But just don't, don't get sucked up into this, folks. It's a never ending philosophy. Okay, I think that financial companies should not have marketing departments, but that's just me, Justin. That's all I can tell you. There's okay. no, I mean, if, if you just look at the cycle of these things, it's almost always they're marketed when it's too late by definition, right? I mean, because yeah. people don't, people don't go say, Hey, whoa, there's this, there's this sub asset class that has been, uh, it's been crushed for the last two years. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, if, if I, if I figure in mean reversion, it's probably a great time to go buy this thing. Right. And, and that's not how it works. It's, Oh, it's been two great years of performance. And now everyone wants to buy it. Cause I can hold up this piece of paper that says, Whoa, look at the last two years. It's earned 50% a year. There you go. And, you know, so almost by definition, it's usually too late if you're seeing a commercial if you're, or if you're, you know, a banner ad on uh, on the web, um, so just you know, be skeptical. It doesn't mean that you ought not own some of that, and it may even be an appropriate asset class for your overall portfolio. But but uh, it's probably not a great time to buy it. At least that's the, that's what the history says. Again, more more, more than likely. Okay, uh, so so basically, just just you know, folks, please please be careful about that. It's a never ending story in my business. There are a few of those groundbreaking things that stick around and do change the industry, thankfully. But you don't ever want to be on the bleeding edge of that, folks, not with your money. It's just plain and simple. Okay. All right, here we go. Trick the financial world and media continue to focus on short-term events and problems that need to be solved right now with this or that new whiz-bang financial strategy or product. Okay, we, we, we you know, we, we, let's see, we have, uh, we have the presidential election portfolio, okay, depending on your you know, political party, pick one, you know, sort of a thing. Okay, uh, you know, so it's, it's forever addressing short-term stuff that are in the news, okay? Yep. And, and folks, you can't successfully predict 
or deal or invest in short-term stuff because it's unpredictable and, and you you need you you have to be careful about getting sucked up into that and so treat yourself to a glass of wine and remember that you are a long-term investor short-term <laughs> events are mark and market movements are perfectly random they're perfectly unpredictable don't get sucked into short-term stuff because you're going to get embarrassed and lose some money if you do in the investment odds favor long-term investors who make broad-based bets on lots of different kinds of stocks and pay attention to that it's kind of boring it isn't very sexy but it's pretty dependable and it seems to have worked for a whole long period of time by the way every other day now i'm seeing that the 60 40 portfolio is history and a, a basically a you know a dinosaur given the circumstance no, no, no it's not but i don't want to get into that either okay any comments on that my son uh, yeah i mean it's just you know j- just remember what just you know just remember what they're what they're selling right they're they're selling views and eyeballs and they just want they just want you to read on and and if if every time you went to you know yahoo finance or some other or some other financial news site and they said invest in a diversified long-term portfolio people wouldn't go there that often they wouldn't make as much money so they're you know they're they're in the business of of having you uh of having you read their stuff and they can't just they they can't just give you you know the staid stodgy old good advice um because that's not what that's not the business model that they're in and not that not that there's not great advice available online it's just you know it's just sort of like you, you have to look to find it and they may have one article that says say you know go you know go to vanguard and buy a diversified index portfolio but then they'll also say well what have you thought about the uh, you know you, you know chinese infrastructure right yeah there, there you go that yeah. train left the station you can't even see the caboose yeah you know, you know sort of a thing that's basically yeah. where that sits okay you know um you know, folks long-term investors broad-based bets uh boring is very good when it comes to having your money managed you, you don't want too much excitement one way or another okay yeah. so this is the last like current 2020 trip and I'll get into some old ones that are still very current, okay? And this is a little wishy-washy, so bear with me. I'm getting a little mellow <laughs> as I get older here, okay? You ready? All right, so trick. There has been some good that's come from this messy pandemic in this country and the world, okay? And the treat is that, you know, it puts your life and your family in perspective these days. And there's a whole lot of people I know that have said that multiple times in terms of the conversations we've had. I'm sure you can say the same thing, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think I, I kind of, you know, what, ever since school started, I was, you know, life is a little bit crazier because now we're, you know, sort of playing amateur educator along with uh, trying to work at home. But, you know, I, I there were parts of the pandemic that I missed. You know, especially the summertime when the kids are home and, you know, there really wasn't any place to go or anything to do. And you just, uh, you know, you, you, you pick some people that you see in your bubble and that's, that's what you do all the time. And there was, there was a, uh, there, there was parts of it that were very, very nice. And obviously we didn't like the, the lack of flexibility where you couldn't go out to a restaurant, but yeah, uh, yep. I, you know, it wasn't the, wasn't the end of the world. Right. Okay. All right. So, so that was like my current take. And, you know, next year you can enter some ones for 2021 when we get there, Just Okay. Okay. So, so I'm going to go Be into a collaborator some, next year. There, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't want to shut you out of the content here, Justin. No, that's you know, all right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I have about four more pages of uh, tricks and treats I do every year all of which are continuously appropriate and meaningful. So we're going to, just because we're getting a little older here in the time frame, folks, don't get nervous. Okay. Uh, old is good in the investment world. <laughs> if it's old, it means it's still around, you know, or something like that. All right. So here we go. Okay. And some of this is kind of funny and cute, but that's okay. 
trick. I don't think I am saving enough money for retirement. Okay. All right. Treat. Just do it. Okay. Get over it. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the way you save money is, is you set it up so it's whacked out of your paycheck before you ever see it. Okay. Or it's whacked out of your checking account once a month to, to save it for college for the kids or whatever. So I, I don't want to hear that. If you're not saving enough money for retirement, you can force yourself to do that. Okay. Pretty simply in the, in this technological world. And you have to figure out how much you need to save too, right? So there's a well, that's a know. whole that's a whole other question, isn't it? We have it? a okay. do we have a trick and a treat for that later on here? We got a I, long way to go. I, I must. I must have something <laughs> like that. Okay. Oh, actually, I know I do. Okay. So trick. Okay. I don't think I'm saving enough for retirement. Look at that. Right on schedule here, my son. Okay. Okay. Uh, treat yourself to a less expensive car and drive it for a long time. How's that? Huh? All right. Okay. There you go. Just uh, folks, okay. <laughs> if you take a look at your expenses, okay, and if you ever added up what it costs you to drive one car over the life of driving that car, I'm talking about buying it, servicing it, and paying off loans if you have them on the thing, okay, it, it's very safe to say that cars are significant expenses for many Americans. You okay with that statement, my son? Okay, I'm okay with that, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, and, and folks, okay, the second part of that is, this is America, we love our cars. We are car nuts in America, and we have to have a new car every two or three or four years because we'd be just out of style and it wouldn't be safe if we had one that was old, okay? Uh, and, and so we, we do a lot of retirement planning for folks. We, we know all about car expenses. Uh, and if you want to save some money in your life and you don't know where to look, okay, take a look at the automobiles that you drive. And and very simply, think about purchasing one and driving it for eight or 10 or 12 years, okay? Uh, and getting your money's worth out of it and taking the difference in that savings and putting it in a retirement plan or maybe, God forbid, a college savings plan for your kids, okay? So my point is that we spoil ourselves with cars. We think they're necessary. They're huge expenses. And for a whole lot of folks listening to us, if you treated yourself to a less expensive car and drove it a lot longer, I bet you you could save some more money for retirement or college given the circumstances, okay? That's right. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's probably good advice. I think there's, you know, it's not that it's not sometimes difficult to to go with the cheaper car, right? I mean, there's always a cheaper car that you could get and not everyone wants to uh, project that to the world that they have, you know, the the, the least expensive car that money can buy. But uh, I think there are, we do see a lot of folks who have too much car and uh, there are lots of, there are lots of reasonably priced, decent cars out there. So I think you can yeah. find something. All right. This is a, a gross generalization, but I'm, enti <laughs> I'm entitled to make it after 40 years. Okay. From time to time, we meet folks that we can help a little bit, but not much because they did a great job of living within their means and saving and, you know, watching yeah. their finances. Virtually all of them drove cars into the ground. That's okay. true. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm sorry. Virtually all. I think of the ones you met and, yeah. and multiply it. Okay. Virtually all of them drove their cars for eight or 10 or 15 years. Okay. Well, wait a minute. It just cost me $3,000 to repair it. Well, how much does it cost to buy a $35,000 new one and pay the loan <laughs> for the next seven years? Sort of a thing. Yeah. But, so ju just something to think about, folks. Okay. It's but not, I'm, I'm again, serious. that's not. 
Uh, oh, I don't think you're saying that that's causation, right? But it, you know, no, it's a place to look. Not causation, yeah. Sort of like it, it, sort of like people who floss living longer. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's it's a yeah, it's part of their overall lifestyle is to yeah. be frugal, and, yeah. and those people tend to do quite well at, uh, when it right. comes to the retirement yeah. planning yeah. part of their life. But my point is, if you're looking to save more money, okay car expenses is a biggie that you might be able to make work for you and put more money in your retirement plan in that college fund. That, that's all. Okay. All right. So by the way, this is going to sound repetitive trick. I don't think I'm saving enough for retirement. Treat your kids less well. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I, I th think about uh, the money that folks spend on their children. Okay. Yep. Uh, and to think about the things we have to do now, well, you have to do now for your kids that we didn't have to do for ours. And our parents at least certainly didn't, we have a wonderful life. Okay. But it costs a whole lot of money. Uh, and you know, my, my point is yes, you just support your kids and yes, you have to be nice. And I'm sorry if I sound like a curmudgeon, but you know, if you, if you towed up some of the expenses that you spend on your kids, Maybe you could have shaved a little of that off and put some more in the college fund because when that time comes, you don't want to be surprised. Just, just a thought. Okay. Yep. You don't like, you don't like that one. Right. Or do you want to, there's a lot to spend money on. I mean, I, yeah. I, I certainly do. Right. So I'm, you know, as a, you know, I, I, I do drive a, uh, a reasonable car, right? A Toyota Tacoma base model is not exact. I mean, I'm not, I'm not spending uh, big bucks on my car and I have a lot of criticism about, you know, sort of the way that, uh, kids' sports are run these days. You know, in, yeah. You know, there you go. Two, two grand a year to get. Uh, there you go. To get on that high-end soccer team, and so I'm, I'm certainly with you on this one. But I, again, it's you. Everything is a balancing act, right? Yep. And if you yep. can afford to do that, and it doesn't affect your long-term retirement plans, then you know, by all means, yeah. you know, have at it. But unfortunately, not everybody can, and we certainly understand that making those decisions on, yeah. you know, especially for your kids, is is difficult. But again, you should you should know that. And I think what we're pointing out is you're more than welcome to spend all that money on your kids, but it, it may very well affect your long term future. And if you're OK with that, so are we. But uh, just don't you do it in the context of of knowing what the what the consequences are. Right. Yeah. Which implies you need to have a budget and a plan for college and retirement. Yeah. OK, which is the big context of the thing we're preaching here, folks. OK, we're picking away at some of the little things to get you thinking about it here. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me let me continue. Okay, so uh, trick: I can't get rid of my charge card balance. Okay, <laughs> okay. So I'm going to be careful about this one. For most folks who don't have catastrophic medical expenses, they have to put in their charge cards. Okay, for most folks. Okay, I think you treated yourself to things you couldn't have afforded to begin with and put them on the charge card if you can't pay it back. Okay. Uh, yep. and, and and I'll just, just say, and this is going to probably scare the heck out of a lot of folks, but folks, if you can't pay off your charge card balance in three months, okay, maybe four or five down to zero. If you can't do that, then maybe just maybe you bought some stuff you couldn't have afforded to begin with. And there's a bigger problem than just the car charge card balance. Okay. So, so, uh, so you, you treated yourself to things that you probably couldn't afford and you need to look at that and examine that in the context of your life and fix that. J just fixing your charge card balance might not help. You know, people, well, I, we've seen people who walked in the door that we meet for the first time and they, they refinanced their home or did a home equity line of credit and took 20,000 
$100,000 out to pay off their home, their credit card line. But if they didn't fix their expenses to begin with, it's going to go right back up there to, to where it was sort of a thing. So the big yeah. picture, folks, that's, that's kind of where we are on this. Okay? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Here comes a very emotional one here. You ready for this? Okay. <laughs> Treat. I want to treat my children to the best colleges, but I can't save enough money. By the way, who doesn't want to treat your children to the best colleges they could possibly get in? I get that. Okay. But I can't save enough money. Okay. So the trick... Well, first take a number. You got a lot of company. Everybody in probably America wants to do that. Okay, but the the the, the real uh, trick is that you have to be able to send them to a college that you can afford. Okay, and not impact your own retirement. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, and and so by the way, and this is this is a very emotional subject. And by the way, we've had husbands and wives on both ends of the spectrum here about do we pay for college or where we sending the kids or this that or the other thing. Okay. But yeah. but the the bottom line is that folks, okay, college expenses are huge. One can debate how much it's actually worth it these days, depending on the motivation of children, the major they choose, and a bunch of other things. But they're huge. They're significant, okay? And you can only, as a parent, okay, pay for college three ways. You can either save the money in advance, you can pay for it out of cash flow if you're lucky when they're in college, or you can borrow money. And for a lot of folks, it's a combination of the three of those, okay? And and so you have to treat yourself to a retirement plan for yourself so that you could look at your retirement plan and back into how much money you can afford to pay for your kids' college. And by the way, your kids have a whole lot more time to recover their lives and pay off their college debt than you do, given the circumstances. And that's a whole mess in America these days. We could also go there. But, you know, college is a huge expense. Multiply that by how many kids you have. Be careful about that. And I think I think there's a lot going on now, Justin, where that's going to change. I think the the uh, college at home stuff is going to kind of rearrange some college pricing. I think there's probably a, a revolution happening in some of those things right now. And it's about time, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. So I'll stop there. You got college, Eddie. You know what I'm talking about, right? I do. Yeah. There, I mean, yeah, it's, it's unfortunately, it's difficult to value the price of an education, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, a lot of it is, uh, you know, a lot of it is experience, which is hard to value. Yeah. And then a lot okay. of it is, you know, well, are we almost out of time? Yeah, I, I we're, think- we're about, we're just about at a break. We're a little bit late. So let's do that and come back to that right now. And we are back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money's annual Halloween Tricks and Treats show. Uh, my name is Justin McNamara alongside Michael McNamara. We are pre-recording today, so no phone calls. If you don't mind, if you want, if you have a question, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out via email. Uh, we're available at questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com, and we will certainly get back to you. Uh, all right, we were we were having our sort of fairly frequent you know discussion about the value of college and and uh, you know how much it costs versus how much it's worth. And again, I think, I don't know, I don't know how much more we have to say, but I do, I, I feel like I, I, what I certainly can say is it's a very difficult decision for a parent who, you know, always wants the best for their kid and, and doesn't want to, you know, and doesn't want to be in a position of, of potentially making their lives worse, quote unquote, and, uh, and a kid who, who really doesn't, you know, may not 
sort of understand the whole thing, right? I mean, you know, what, yeah. what's the value? It's, it's hard for a kid to value a college education, especially, you know, especially given the fact that they may not be able to value anything, right? I mean, it's not, you know, we don't, we don't what teach. You, what, what did you know when you were 17? I know. Oh, yeah. Think about yeah. it. Okay. What's yeah. The, you okay. know, what's the difference between $500 a month and, and a thousand, right? And it's, I don't, I'm not paying anything now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. what's the yeah. difference to me? So yeah, again, it's difficult, but uh, I would, I would say, you know, certainly you want to spend as much time as you possibly can on it and, uh, and, and make yeah, it just n- know what, yeah, know what you can yeah. afford. By the way, if, if you know what you can afford, okay. And, and put it in the context of your time. And, and by the way, if you choose to sacrifice some of your retirement for getting your kids to college, that's perfectly fine. As, yeah. as long as you are, are aware of the consequences of that, then perfectly fine. It's a free country still, thankfully. Okay, but most people aren't aware, and we can share our stories of folks who had all kinds of debt and had, had to delay retirement for a whole long time on that. So yeah. just, be, just be careful. Okay. Yeah, it happens. All right, as chief trickster in charge here, where shall I go here next? Okay, <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. Trick, you don't have a clue about if or when you can retire. Okay, we've, there's probably a few folks out there listening to me that that fit into that. Treat yourself to a comprehensive written retirement plan. Okay, I'll Amen. let you. I'll let you do a commercial for certified financial planners for that one. Go for it. Okay. Yeah, you know I think the process of of planning, regardless of your age, is always gonna it will always give you an idea of where you are in context uh, to you know where you want to be. Right. I mean. It's it's difficult to think about a retirement plan when you're 30 or 35 or even 40 or 45, right? You may you know may, you may not have thought about it, and you may not say, "Hey, I'm going to retire at 65, and this is my plan. I'm going to be a snowbird, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Uh, but the, you know, the longer you wait to actually figure out or, or to make some projections, the you know the more chance you are of that you're you're well behind what you end up choosing uh, when you get there, right? I mean, you you don't want to find out at 55 that you're not on track for the retirement that you want. You would rather have known that at uh, at 45 or 40 or 35, and you know when you had time to prepare, or at least more time to prepare. You know, most folks aren't in the in the position where they can play catch up in the last 10 years of retirement if they're significantly behind. Some you know some people certainly are, and at, maybe potentially at some income levels, but uh, really uh, it's it gets difficult because you don't have time on your side um, and you know you don't have the time for for your interest to compound on your investment so I think that's I don't know what, what else what else should I say that I yeah I, 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 you, you did okay uh, you know you, you need a plan folks uh, to retire because life is complicated uh, that plan involves a whole lot of financial decisions not just about money it's about insurance it's about legal documents it's about mortgages and debt and cash flow and savings it's about a whole bunch of things and uh, uh, we're sorry but mo- most folks aren't qualified to do that kind of comprehensive thing and uh, if you are god bless you and good luck but for everybody else listening you know j- just maybe you ought to have this retirement plan uh, and uh uh, certified financial planners are qualified to do that, and uh, they're the gold standard for financial advisors. And pardon us for being uh, being uh, touting a horn. And there are lots of terrific financial planners that are certified around the country. So if you're going to do a retirement plan, get serious about it. Do a written one. Have somebody uh, that that needs to you know take your best interests at heart and do that and check on it often. And you know what? You're 
you might be okay. Uh, yep. Moving along. Okay. Um, by the way, these are a couple that we kind of did you know, earlier in the show, but just in case you tuned in late, folks, I'll do these quickly. Trick. Okay. Survey, survey says you have to drop your expenses by 20 to 30% to be able to retire because your income is going down by that, if not more. Okay. Uh, and the treat is easy peasy. If you don't have a mortgage when you retire, you probably just knocked your expenses down by 20 to 35%. And if you didn't, it's a heck of a good start. Okay. So have your mortgage retired when you are and that's a tough thing for folks to do in their 20s and 30s and 40s because you're buying bigger homes, you're doing bigger mortgages, and you're stretching it out to 30 years. And at some point, you you might pay for that in a retirement plan. you got to be careful about that. Okay? Yeah. Uh, and, and the same thing, uh, treat. You refinanced your mortgage and treated yourself to some savings that you probably spent on stuff you didn't need or didn't really have to because you were overspending anyway. Okay? Uh, and the trick is, you know, don't refinance your mortgage, you know, five or six times in your life and go out 30 years again because when you're 55 or 60 or 65 and have a 25 or 30-year mortgage left, retirement hurdle is looking a little higher if you're in that particular situation. So do what you can do about that. Yeah. Okay. I think, you know, just, just, you know, to be clear, uh, we have lots of folks as clients who have mortgages in retirement. So it's not, you know, we're, we're, we're just trying to give you the advice that makes, that makes things the plan easy. A. Oh, plan, yeah, a. plan A yeah. is that you do have it paid off. It just, it just takes some of the uncertainty out of it. Right. Cause any, if you, if you don't have a mortgage, your expenses are lower. Anytime your expenses are higher, you, you tend to be relying on your nest egg for more on an ongoing basis. Right. I mean, assuming you have a pension and social security that'll cover some of your expenses, the, you know, the, the more money that you have to take out of your pot, the more uncertainty there is because when you're funding a retirement through your nest egg, you have to deal with the volatility in the markets. And so you want as low a, as low a draw as possible because that takes out more of the uncertainty with, with lousy markets. So that's just a, again, it's not a, not mandatory, but uh, again, we, we run so many plans that whenever we're running a plan that doesn't have a mortgage, um, they tend, they just tend to work out better than when you do have a mortgage. And it's, again, doesn't mean you can't do it, but, uh, we're, we, we'd shoot for it if you can. All right. Thank you for, you know, qualifying my compliance department, my compliance comments. Hey, yeah. there, there you go. All right. Trick. We are going to have higher taxes and more user fees in the future. Okay. Right. That's a prediction, I guess. Yeah. Treat live within your means. Or earn more money. Okay, that's <laughs> that's how you solve that. Okay. By the way, I want to I want to apologize. Okay, uh, we baby boomers have left uh, you and you in a world that's not as good as we grew up in. Okay, there's a lot there's a lot of reasons for that, by the way, but most of them are financial. Financial, okay. you mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I assume yeah. Financial. Okay. Probably be yeah. some disagreements about the social aspects of it, but yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, and and we got a bunch of baby boomers listening to the show. So, folks, if you're a baby boomer, just think about your kids. And are they having an easy go of it or a more difficult go of it than when you were kids? And the answer is your kids are having generally a more difficult time because we left them in a world, okay, that wasn't as good financially as the one we stepped into, period. That, there's no argument about that. I could spend seven shows on that. And my point is it ain't going to get better. 
Okay, uh, we, 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 baby boomers have been very selfish about taking care of ourselves and our social security and our Medicare and, and our whatever we were entitled to. And, and uh, we left our kids uh, honestly in not as good a shape. And by the way, Justin, I hope your generation can fix that, uh, but you need to be aware of that. And uh, if, you know, I mean, there's no question that lives are gonna get more difficult because we're continuing to borrow money and need more money to survive sort of a thing. we got to fix that. I don't know how you do that, but that's just a problem. So just, you know, I'm, I'm serious about the living within your means. If yeah. you live within your means and you know what your expenses are, if it gets worse, at least you know where to go and what to cut, hopefully. And by the way, if that doesn't work, get a second job or a third job. That's not, that doesn't happen anymore. When, when we were growing up and for a long time, folks in my generation had one, two or three jobs. My dad had three jobs at one time just to make it, things work. That doesn't happen much anymore. I think uh, for whatever, whatever reason. So I don't want to do social commentary on the world, but if you're living within your means now and life gets more difficult, Hey, hopefully you can live within your means. And if you can't, you better go out and earn some more money. Cause that's, yeah. Those are the choices, okay? Or run up some debt and get yourself in a pickle sooner or later. Not, I think not I mean plan. you could just just look at housing costs and yeah, college yeah. costs, and, there you, and go. you could you know there there is there it is right. I mean yeah, you know, a generation or two ago you could pay for your own college and and houses were significantly less expensive, so it was uh, just easier to get a hold of that American dream than it is now. And so you yeah you have to do some you you may have to make some sacrifices depending on what what situation you find yourself in right i'm sure there there are lots of folks at the higher end of the income spectrum that that are that are doing just fine but for you know for, for i think for the middle class probably it is more difficult now than it was Agreed. Say, 20 30 years ago yeah and, and my advice to you my son and folks in your age bracket is you know what are you doing for your kids, and, and how's and, and be sensitive to that. And, and I, we, I'm sorry, we we messed it up for our kids for a bunch of reasons, as far as I'm concerned. But but moving along, okay. Yep. Uh, all right. So, trick, your investment returns are poor. Well, treat yourself to a good financial advisor, because uh, you know just maybe there are financial advisors that might be smarter than you are when it comes to managing your money. Sim simple and, and you know, whatever. M managing money and taking care of your finances is a more and more difficult task these days. And you need to spend more and more of your time doing it. And I'm sorry, everybody is so busy in the world running around with their lives and their kids and stuff like that, that it just, that financial stuff just gets shoved to the side and dealt with when it's necessary or when it becomes a, a crisis excuse me, and you, you shouldn't have to do that. And, you know, you, you just might want to think about hiring somebody that's got a little experience to help you out in that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That wasn't too leave, much of a, we'll leave that. We'll leave that commercially. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. move on to the yeah, next sure. one. Okay. All right. Okay. Trick. We are likely to have below average investment returns for some years to come. Treat, deal with it and don't get greedy. Okay. So, <laughs> so here, here's, here's, this is, this is really scary. Okay. This didn't sound like much of a treat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, treat yourself to dealing with it. That's all I got. Yeah, there okay. You go, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. So, so historically, and I'll use interest rates as an example. Okay. okay. Interest rates are low. Um, I'm not getting enough income. Okay. What am I going to do? I'm going to go look for higher returns, right? Well, when you go to look for higher returns, let me see. Do you take more or less risk <laughs> doing that? Let me let me check. Okay. And so in the bond world, it, it's kind of a 
an event, a relatively frequent event that people who are looking for more yield will buy lower quality bonds. They're called high yield bonds and <clears throat> also junk bonds by some folks. And, you know, if, if I think, by the way, uh, ju the junk bond universe today, I, I checked the other night, about 5% is the average return on junk bonds right now. High yield bonds. I'm sorry, I should sound more professional okay. about this. Okay, so the high yield, I think it's the Bloomberg Barclays high yield index. I saw that a couple of days ago. It's about 5% as the income. Well, wait a minute. I can get 1.5% on my 30-year government bond, or I can get 5%, okay, uh, on high yield bonds. Okay, so... That's called reaching for yield. By the way, that might work, but folks, there's risk that goes along with that that could end up costing you. Okay, those lower rated companies that are issuing those bonds, they're more, they, they might be in more desperate straits financially than the high quality ones. That's why they have to pay a lot of money. So, so my point is the reality is in the interest rate world right now that they're very low. Okay, and if you perceive that as a problem, you'll try to fix it by taking more risk, even though you might not think you're doing that. And you have to be careful about that. I guess the, the treat is treat yourself to whatever is reality in the investment world and don't try to change that because you usually get yourself in trouble if you do. Okay. Yeah, I think, that, yeah, I think, that, that okay I think that's right. I mean, you, you yeah. can, when the fact that investment returns are likely to be lower now has you know has an impact somewhere and you just have to figure out which you know which of the which of the problems you want to solve for right i mean if you were a, if you're comfortable with say a moderate type of investment program um well that might be that might have been okay if you were if we were living in the 80s and 90s when returns were higher and you could get eight percent in a moderate strategy uh but now that we're living in what's likely a different world you know maybe you can't afford to be, you know, to be in a moderate. And so the question is, well, do I save more money for retirement? Which is, you know, if you're, if you're pre-retiree. Oh, that's too, that's too hard. Let's do something certainly, else. Yeah. I have to work for that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you can address it that way and save more, which, yep. you know, obviously it's, it's a, there's a downside to that. I and mean, people wouldn't want to do that, but that's one way to handle it. And the other, the other is to, you know, increase the risk uh, level in your portfolio and potentially, right, again, non-guaranteed, but, you know, more than likely earn more money over long periods of time. And, and uh, you know, that may not work for you from a, you know, from a psychological point of view, because then you're, now you're dealing with more ups and downs in the market, and that may not be who you are as an, as an investor. So, I mean, it's not, again, not always an easy decision, but uh, I think it's, you know, very much reflected in, you know, if, if you think about the kind of the generic financial advice that you see in the media, right? Remember yeah. the old days, it was, oh, you need to save 10% of your income for retirement. That number is is now, you know, the, I, I more commonly hear 15 or even 20 than I, than I do 10% just because that's a reflection of, okay, well, you know, you're probably going to see lower returns and therefore, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to save more um, going forward because you're not gonna get as much compounding over the years. So yeah, I, I've mentioned this before in the in the last five years of the 1990s, before you began your illustrious career in the finance world. Okay, uh, you know, a, a balanced, a typical balanced 60/40 strategy that we were using was like a 14% per year return. Okay, for five or six years. Okay, which is off the charts. That's what it was. Okay, and we weren't any smarter than anybody else. If if you basically had almost anybody's sixty forty because of the heyday with the Fed, well, I had a uh, you know a few folks 
leave our advice because that was not a a, a high enough return. Okay, uh, and, and by the way, the only way you would you you do that is to own all stocks versus sixty percent stocks. And so, it, it, you know, the the point is there's investment reality, and either you accept it and do what you need to do to deal with that, okay, yeah. or if you don't accept it and you try to solve it, you may get yourself in more trouble, okay, doing that. So just be careful about that, folks. That's all. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Okay. I'm about to to insult every real estate person in, on history. Oh, on my next con. Get ready for this. Okay. You know, we work Tr with a lot of real estate agents. Yeah. Okay. Tr go ahead. Tr I will argue this with anybody. Trick. My house will be a great investment. <laughs> Treat yourself to some analysis and some math, folks. Okay. So if you go take a peek at, at look at well what what is uh you know residential real estate give me a number what's it what's it earned per year for the last 5 10 15 20 30 what, you know, what, what, give me a number 5 6% maybe Gosh, something like that it's not something that i track at all yeah. i would i would say somewhere in yeah maybe 4 or 5% who knows all right let's use yeah. 5% can look, okay. i can i can probably look it up well you can and by the way pick a time frame and stuff like that but but well, uh, okay well while you're doing that okay, let me just get going to start with my tirade okay so so the way that they got that 5% return or whatever return it was uh, yeah. is that they basically said, Hey, you know, you every, you paid this much for your house and, you know, 10 years later it was worth that much. Okay. And that was, that was equal to a 5% return or the, the appreciation. Okay. Well, that's, that's true. As far as it goes, you got a number there yet? It's probably closer to six, but you tell me if anything. No, I don't know if I can. Oh, you know what? I have them. Look at this. I'm searching. I can I can tell you the U.S. Uh, residential propane price. Uh, no, that does, <laughs> that's not going to help you. Nah, that's not going to help. I'll, me, I'll right? see what I can find. Yeah, keep going. Well, don't worry. But we we don't need the real number. I just want to make a point. So, yeah. so folks, okay. So that number just says I bought my house for this. I sold it for that, and that the appreciation is five or six percent or whatever the heck the number is. Okay. Well, there's I have a little problem with that because okay, you spent money improving your house and doing things to it yep. over that time. And if you added the amount of money that you spent improving your house, okay, to what it cost you, or if you subtracted it from what you sold it for, you wouldn't be in that five or 6% return, okay? My, my point is, if you actually figured out the additional costs you put into that home, not maintenance, although maintenance is a cost. I could even argue that. Okay. Yeah. But if, if you took it, if you redid the kitchen, if you redid the bathroom, okay. Uh, at the very least, if you add up the improvements that you made to your house and throw that in the equation, it ain't five or 6%. It's probably a bunch lower than that. And by the way, yeah. you know, if you have to pay to own a house, okay, for maintenance and repairs, does that not factor into the cost and whether the profits or not are after paying for it? Well, we could argue that, but the, at the very least, if you factor in improvements, you know, we've done, we live in Marshfield here, here we paid X amount of dollars for this house and your mother, <laughs> we've done a kitchen and a bathroom at not small cost. And if I add that cost to what we sell this house for, we, we we're not going to make five or 6% on our money. And, and so folks don't, don't get deluded into the thought that your house is an investment. It's a place to live. 
It's a place to mow the lawn. And, and if you want to do that, that's just fine. But please don't count on it as an investment. And that especially goes if you think you're going to downsize your house and take some money off the table and spend some of that in retirement. So, no, your, your home is not an investment. And I'll argue that with anybody. OK. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's it, it can be a valuable Asset, I think that's is that's probably a, a decent yep. way to say it. I mean, it yep. certainly can be that you uh, that you do well with it, and it's a, it can be a valuable sort of you know hopefully backup asset in retirement. But uh, as far as an investment in return goes, I I don't think it's really it's 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 really not there. Uh, I think I still think you know the average person who is owns a home in retirement versus someone who's renting is probably better off. But uh, I don't uh, I wouldn't say that. You know, don't don't invest in it as as if it's an investment. Um, invest in it as because it's somewhere you want to live, and if you you know if you'd like a nicer house or you want to redo your floors because it makes sense for you from a uh, from, you know from a from a living point of view. Yeah, it's a life office. it's a lifestyle choice. Justin. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, it might end up to be a decent investment, but not if you did all the math. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, all right. Trick. Okay, I can use the equity in my home for retirement. I'm sorry. That's the treat. I can use the equity for my home in retirement. The trick is probably not, okay, because when it's been our experience that, oh, let's see, I'll sell my house, buy a smaller one, take two or $300,000 off the table and call that my retirement fund, okay? Not happening, folks. First of all, we work with a whole lot of people in our practice. We've done that for a long period of time. And when here's what's going on. People who are downsizing their homes, downsizing in square feet, but not price. They Most of them buy a home about the exact same dollar cost. They got a smaller, nicer home than the one that they left. Who wants a less nice home when you downsize in retirement? Okay. Uh, and by the way, there's a percentage of people who actually buy a more expensive home in retirement that we know. So, so if you're planning on living off your home equity in retirement, by selling it and pocketing two or three hundred thousand dollars and living happily ever after, you need to do some real serious math because there's a pretty good chance that's not going to come to pass. Okay, please, oh please, folks, think about that. And if you want to email us and ask us that question or give us some of your own details on your own situation, uh, I'm thinking that's not going to happen, and uh, I'll be happy to discuss that with anybody. Justin, we got about three and a half minutes here, plus or minus. So I just want to keep us on schedule here. Yeah, okay? I mean, just just to follow up on that, uh, we we yeah. rarely see that happen, except at the very very high end of the market, right? We you know we do you know if you're owning yeah. you know if you're owning a home that's in the you know, maybe in the million plus range, then it's more common for us to see a sale and a downsize that actually has a, you know, money come off the table and, and goes into an investment account to fund your lifestyle. But other than that, I think it's, it's, and they, but they didn't rare. need that money. And they didn't need that money, by the way, is what you're saying. No, not, not, not always, but yeah, well, it's, not, just, not it's, it's yeah. hard to, down, you know, even, you know, if you're in like sort of the, you know, the a regular house, you know, you can't, you know, at this point, if you're selling your home for five or six hundred thousand dollars, where are you going to move? That's going to make a meaningful uh, difference as far as your as, as far as your nest egg, right? I mean, you're going to you're going to buy a three hundred thousand dollar house, and, and where exactly are you going to go to get that, right? Yeah, yeah, not not happening basically. Right. Not, not around here. Okay, so let's see. Yeah, we got about a couple couple minutes. I got time for a couple more, so we'll do this quick. Okay, trick. Social Security won't be there for me. Treat. Yes, it will if you're in your 50s and stuff. But, <laughs> but by the way, for a number of folks, and anybody that's north of 50, Love yeah, we vote. We're going to have social security. Right. Seriously, <laughs> and anybody who's south of 50, okay, there's not going to be much of it. And by the way, they're going to get around to means testing social security. What's that mean? 
how much you got in your retirement plan? A million dollars. Well, we were going to send you this much, but now we're going to send you that much because you make too much money in your life sort of a thing. So that's 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 that. And one Is this more from your sources in Congress? Hey, <laughs> trust me on this. Okay. All right. Okay. Trick. I'm going to take, I'm sorry, treat. I apologize. Treat. I'm going to take Social Security at age 62 because I deserve it and it's my money. All right. And then trick. You're probably in trouble if you need to do this at age 62, okay, and you just lost a guaranteed 8% per year return because if you wait on your Social Security every year, it gets a bit bigger, folks. Okay, but but the, the trick is if you start taking it at 62, you better be right because you're probably going to live a long time, okay, and just do your math about that. I'm not saying it won't work, but the odds of doing it for if you're at 62 – you better be pretty on spot about that because you just might live longer than you think. Justin, uh, you got 35 or 40 seconds for any comments about anything. How does that sound? Okay. Yeah, well, just to follow up, I finally found that that home sale last yeah. 20 years. Yeah. Uh, it's up about 100%, 109% since 1999. Yep. Uh, and so I think the numbers that we had were relatively correct, yeah, up about, about 56% yeah. over the last 10 years. About 5 or 6%. Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think we're, I think you're, yeah, we are about yeah. right on that. Not, yeah. not counting expenses uh, is how I would do that. And if you did, no, no big warps. Okay. So listen, uh, Justin, you need to sign off. I think we're about 20 seconds away here. So go for it. I think we are as well. Yes. Thank you very much for our, uh, for listening, everybody. Again, uh, if you have any questions, you can certainly email us, uh, shoot us an email. It's questions at McNamaraonmoney.com. And we will talk to you next week. Happy Halloween. <laughs>